Glad you're here today as we continue to worship together by gathering online. These have just been strange days, haven't they? We've been trying to kind of figure out what do we even do with ourselves? How do we occupy our, our time when we're, we're sheltering in place or safer at home or uh, whatever the language of the day is? And, and a lot of folks have tried to find uh, some t- ways to spend their time by viewing into something on TV. And so a uh, series like uh, Tiger King has caught the nation's attention. I don't even know what Tiger King is. I haven't seen any of it. Uh, another one that's uh, caught a lot of people's attention right now and a lot of folks are spending time around is the documentary, uh, The Last Dance, uh, talking about uh, Michael Jordan's uh, last year uh, with the Chicago Bulls. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about a commercial that was made and you can probably still find it on YouTube. Uh, it kind of had a voiceover uh, of Michael Jordan. And here were some of the words. He he said, I have missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. On 26 occasions, I've been entrusted to take the game-winning shot, and I missed. I have failed over and over and over again in my life. And that's precisely why I succeed. Failure, it's not optional for any of us, is it? A failure is, is, is inevitable. And yet, even because it's, it's so inevitable, even because all of us deal with it and struggle with it, so many of us get frozen in place by a fear of failure. And the fear of failure has a lot of different faces. Sometimes it looks like uh, indecision. I can't make a decision because I'm afraid of making the wrong decision. Sometimes it looks like procrastination because I'm afraid I won't be able to do it good enough or perfect enough, and so I keep procrastinating. Sometimes it's that perfectionism that just it just won't, won't ever let anything be good enough, always afraid that I'm not going to have it completely right. Sometimes it bleeds into even workaholism where I, I just drive myself and sometimes drive others even to a breaking point. It's never good enough. I've never achieved enough. I'm always afraid of of the next failure that might be coming. And and, and I just drive myself and others, uh, sometimes to the point of I actually drive people away. Failure and the fear of failure has many, many, many faces. But we also live in a reality where we have an enemy of our souls, a spiritual enemy. And that spiritual enemy delights in using a fear of failure on the front end and then beating us up with failure on the back end to keep us stuck, to keep us from becoming the people that God's called us to be and doing the things that God has called us to do. And he'll whisper a fear of failure on the front end or he'll beat us up on the back end when we have failed and, and, and say, so who did you think you were? And why do you even try? And why don't you just go off to the side somewhere? But here's the good news. The good news is that God has a different agenda. God has a different agenda, even in the midst of our failure. Romans 8, 28, a beloved promise for so many, says, And we know that for those who love God, all things, including my failures and yours, all things work together for good for those who are called according 
to his purpose. You know, God uses failure. It's part of all things that he uses in our life. And let me just suggest to you a few ways that God uses failure. God uses failure to teach me. God uses failures to teach me. Sometimes I am much more teachable after a failure. Winston Churchill uh, was once asked, uh, what is it that most prepared you to lead Great Britain during World War II? I mean, for a long time, he was kind of that, that lone voice there, that, that lone country there of Great Britain who was standing against the, uh, the, the movement and the conquering of, of Hitler in the Western world. And Churchill's response to that question was, it was the time I repeated a class in grade school. And the, the interviewer said, you mean you flunked a grade? And so I love Churchill's response. He said, I never flunked in my life. I was given a second opportunity to get it right. That's what failure will do if we allow God to work. It'll teach us. It'll give us an opportunity to learn, an opportunity to get it right. But God also uses failure to motivate me, to motivate me. Uh, sometimes I, I need a little kick in the pants, right? Someone once uh, quipped, a lot of times we change not when we see the light, but when we feel the heat. A lot of us, there are things we know to do, but we don't always do them until we kind of feel a little heat. And sometimes that heat gets turned up when we experience failure. And that failure God uses to motivate us, to move us forward into a new direction. But God will also use failure to build my character, to build my character. God is attracted to humility. And nothing helps breed humility quite as quickly and effectively as failure. And very often God will use failure to shape character qualities in my life that he wants to see flourish so that I can be and do what he designed me to be and do. And, and one other, and that is that he'll use failure to direct me that he will use failure in my life to direct me. Some of you may be familiar with the name of Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was the President Nixon's uh, special White House counsel. He was known as uh, Richard Nixon's hatchet man, and he gained notoriety in, in, in a negative way during the Watergate scandal. And he, he was one of that Watergate seven, and he would eventually uh, be... Uh, convicted, uh, actually, I think, pled, uh, pled guilty to um, uh, obstruction of justice. And he spent seven months in the federal Maxwell prison in Alabama. He was the first member of the Nixon administration to be incarcerated for Watergate-related charges. And here's what Chuck Colson said later in his life. He would go on out of that experience to found prison fellowship as God got a hold of his life and began to transform him. And he founded prison fellowship and other organizations that continue uh, their powerful work and have touched the thousands and thousands and thousands of people even uh, to this day. And Colson would write of his experience, the great paradox of my life is that every time I walk into a prison and see the faces of men or women who have been transformed by the power of the living God, 
I realize that the thing God has chosen to use in my life is none of the successes, achievements, degrees, awards, honors, or cases I won before the Supreme Court. That's not what God's using in my life. What God is using in my life to touch the lives of literally thousands of other people is the fact that I was a convict and went to prison. That was my great defeat. The only thing in my life I didn't succeed in. God, if we allow him, will use failure in our lives. But we have to cooperate with that process. And so I want to take you to a scripture in uh, the New Testament book of Philippians, Philippians chapter 3. And in Philippians 3, I want you to see Paul's very simple formula. It's kind of a two-part formula for facing failure. This will help us to deal with our fear of failure. Philippians 3 verse 12, not that I have already obtained this, or am already perfect, as he talked about his, his desire a few verses earlier, that to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and to share in the fellowship of his suffering. Now, I haven't already obtained this, uh, but this is what I do. I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward, to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, there's so much rich imagery there that we won't have time to, to dig into all of it this morning, but, but, but I, I want you to, to think about uh, two, two kind of parts of this formula. Uh, the first part is forgetting what lies behind. He said, this is one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind. Now, now, please don't misunderstand. Paul's not saying, I, I somehow just developed a case of amnesia. No, Paul remembered his failures. In fact, as he wrote about some of them just a few verses before the ones we have already read, he, he incorporated them into his story, his testimony uh, that's recorded for us in the book of Acts. He remembered his failures, but he made a choice. And that choice was he would no longer be controlled by his failures. His failures would no longer define who he was as a person. It would no longer define his present, and he wasn't going to allow it to continue to shape his future. He was no longer going to be controlled. And that comes into, first of all, how we view our failures. If I'm going to forget my failures, no longer let them dominate and control my life, it goes back to how I'm going to look at them. And I begin to look at them differently. I begin to understand they're an inevitable part of being human. <laughs> it's true of me. It's true of you. It's true of every human being. We fail. I, we have failed, we will fail, we'll continue to fail as long as we're drawing breath. They are an inevitable part of being human. But not only that, but we need to begin to see failure as an event. It's not a person. I failed at doing something, but that's far, far, far different than I am a failure as a person. And a lot of times people get those 
tied together and confused. Because I failed at something, therefore I am a failure. And they begin to carry that understanding, self-understanding, self-image into the rest of their life. Failure is an event. It's not a person. But it's also a, a moment. It's not something to build a, a monument to. It's a moment in time. And if you will, you can sometimes think of our life as kind of this, this movie. It has got, got lots of different scenes that unfold over the, the time of our life. And, and failure is a moment in time. It's, it's one short clip out of that entire movie. And it's not the whole story. It is just one event in the story of my life. Don't build a monument to it. Don't stop there. Understand it's a moment and not a monument. But also people who forget uh, that which is behind have learned that failure is a bend in the road, but it absolutely doesn't have to be the end of the road. Thomas Edison, the name is famous even if we don't know a lot of his story, but uh, he filed an impressive 1,093 U.S. patents, an incredible uh, number of patents. But behind every one of those successful patents was hundreds and sometimes thousands of, of failures and failed attempts and things that didn't work along the way. And his ability to, to press beyond, to forget, to put behind failure marked his life, but it also marked the lives of those who worked with him. One of his former workers, Alfred Tate, later in his life wrote a letter to his famous boss. And this was part of that letter Alfred Tate wrote. He said, above all, you taught me not to be afraid of failure. That scars are sometimes as honorable as medals. Think about that. You taught me not to be afraid of failure. That scars, those, those moments, those events can sometimes be as honorable as medals in our life. To forget what lies behind, I, I have to, to look at how am I viewing my failures. But I also have to begin to deal positively with that which has already taken place. And so let me just give you some quick thoughts around that. It begins by honestly taking them to God. Oh, that's the starting point. It is to say, God, here it is. Let's, let's bring it out into the light. Now, here's my encouragement to you. You're not going to surprise God with anything that you say, right? It's not like you're going to bring him new information. It's not like he didn't know that you messed up or you failed or you blew it. But I bring it out. I bring it out and lay it before him. Not that he needs the information, but I need to be honest before God. I need to drag that thing out of the darkness and put it into the light of his presence. And as I honestly take it to God, I need to own up. I need to own up to my part in the failure. It may not all be yours, but I have to own up to my part in the failure. I don't blame. I don't excuse. I don't rationalize. I don't justify. I don't point the finger at somebody else, but I own up. God, this, this, was, this was on me. This is my part in that. And when I have gotten honest and I've owned it, 
then I'm in a position to accept his forgiveness. The forgiveness that he's made possible by Jesus Christ who came and lived a life without failure, who came and lived that life of of perfect love and obedience to his Father and yet voluntarily went to the cross to die the, the death that I deserve because of my sin, because of my failure so that he could offer to me cleansing and forgiveness and empowerment to live a God honoring, God pleasing life. And so I come and I bring all of that before him and I don't, I don't bargain with him. I just got, I accept. I accept what Jesus Christ made possible. I accept your forgiveness. And out of that, then I'm in a position to clear up because sometimes my failures is not just between me and God. It does, doesn't affect me, but sometimes it's also impacted the lives of other people. And so part of Forgetting what is behind, putting some things behind, is going to some people and trying to clear up offenses. And it may not always work perfectly, and they may not even be open to that, uh, but I have to try to make the effort to own my part, apologize, and maybe even make restitution where that's possible along the way to clear up any barriers between myself and another person. So that's the first part of the formula, forgetting what lies behind. Well, Paul gives us the second part of this formula for facing our fears, and that is to reach forward to what lies ahead. So he forgets what lies behind, but then he uses words like straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's, he's drawing on this athletic imagery, which is one of Paul's favorite things to do. It's this picture of straining, of effort, of energy, of, of leaning in, of pursuing passionately what God has for his life. And so as he forgets what lies behind, he's going to now reach forward to what lies ahead. And in order to do that, I need to realize that God uses flawed people. And after all, that's all he's got to work with, isn't it? We're all flawed. But God delights in using flawed people because it shows it's his glory, it's his power, it's, it's his love, it's him working through us. Chuck Swindoll put it this way, when God forgives, he forgets. He is not only willing, but pleased, not only willing, but pleased to use any vessel just as long as it is clean today. That's why I have to get clean before God and clear up some things with others. Because when I get myself in that position, then I'm in a position for God to use me. Then I can begin to reach forward to what lies ahead. Realize that God uses flawed people, but also focus. Focus on your relationship with God. That that I I focus not on my failures. I, I focus not even on the things primarily that I want to achieve, but I focus foundationally on my relationship with God that's been made possible through Jesus Christ. Because I I need my strength and my identity and my hope and my security to be tied up not in my achievement, not in whether I fail or don't fail today, but in my relationship with God. 
Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Then when we come to Jesus Christ, it's not just a legal union that we have. It's not just a, a union with him where we are pronounced not guilty and now we are, are clean before a holy God, but it's a vital living union. It's an ongoing union. And as I focus on that relationship, I now have a capacity to forget those things which lie behind and begin to reach forward, to move forward to those things that lie ahead. Lloyd Ogilvy who was the, the chaplain of the, the U.S. Senate uh, for a number of years, talked about a friend of his who in his younger years was a trapeze artist. And Ogilvy asked him, he said, how did you ever do that? How did you ever get to the point where you were like willing to fly through the air and let go of one trapeze and kind of be hanging there trusting that that other trapeze was going to be there? And here's what his friend told him. Once you know that the net below will catch you, you stop worrying about falling. You actually learn to fall successfully. What that means is you can concentrate on catching the trapeze swinging towards you and not on falling. Because of repeated falls in the past have convinced you that the net is strong and reliable when you do fall. The result of falling and being caught by the net is a mysterious confidence and daring on the trapeze. You fall less, and each fall makes you able to risk more. How can you and I let go of the one trapeze, forgetting those things that lie behind, and reach out, reach forward to what lies ahead? It's only as we have a security, a security underneath us that even if we make a bad decision, even if we blow it, even if our execution is far less than our intention, that we have a security because we have a heavenly father who has us safe in his hands. And that even when I fall, it doesn't end the relationship. It doesn't define me that my identity, my security, my hope is found in my relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So it is vital that I focus on my relationship with God. But as I do that, then I can begin to learn, to learn from my past and to move forward toward the future. It's not enough just, to, just to, to forget and try to move ahead, but I need to learn. I need to learn. When I fall, when the net catches me, I need to learn. What do, do I learn? You know, right now we're, we're kind of in a scramble as a world to try to develop a, a vaccine for COVID-19. And many of you have been praying for that. I know I was with some folks earlier this morning, and part of our prayer was even praying for the development of a vaccine. But long before there was COVID-19, polio was, was ravaging so many lives across the world. And there was a race to develop a vaccine for polio. Jonas Salk had 200 unsuccessful vaccines for polio before he came up with the one that finally worked. 
And somebody asked Salk, he said, how did it feel to fail 200 times trying to invent a vaccine for polio? Here's his response. I never failed 200 times at anything in my life. My family taught me never to use that word. I simply discovered 200 ways how not to make a vaccine for polio. He had a perspective that that even in a failure, it was an opportunity to learn. Henry Ford famously said, failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. But, But here's the key. It's the opportunity. It's not a given. Sometimes we can repeat the same mistake over and over and over again because we don't learn from the past and therefore we can't move into God's future. It is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. And so it helps just to ask some questions, and I'll just give you two to begin with. And these are great questions even for you and I to be asking during this unusual season of our life when when things are kind of a little bit out of whack. First question, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this failure? What can I learn from this mistake? What can I learn from this uninvited, unexpected time in my life? What can I learn? And then secondly, what is the opportunity? What is the opportunity in the midst of this circumstance or situation? There may be an opportunity born out of a moment of failure, born out of a mistake, born out of of something you didn't see coming into your life. God, help me to learn from this. Father, help me to see not just the problem, not just the pain, not just the, the things that I don't like. Father, help me to see the opportunity in the midst of this circumstance our situation. And so I, I reach forward as I, I continue to learn and grow. But I want to give you one more, and that is to harness the power of transformational relationships. The book of Hebrews reminds us, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. When I fail, when you fail, we don't need to be alone. And sometimes the the enemy takes our failure and he isolates us. And you say, people are going to judge you. And that's understandable because we live in a culture right now where it seems like folks are just ready to pounce on any misspoken word or anything, any little failure and magnify it over and over and over again. That's why you and I need people in our lives to encourage us, to stir us up, to love us even in the midst of our failures. And so I just ask you, As you're doing this journey called life, do you have some of those people in your life? Are you that person to somebody else that even in their failures, even in their heartbreaks, even when they've disappointed you and disappointed others, disappointed themselves, that you are there to help build them up? 
God's given us the body of Christ. The body of Christ to encourage and to build us up along the way. If we're going to successfully handle our fear of failure, we don't do it alone. We harness the power of transformational relationships. Theodore Roosevelt has that famous quote you've probably seen in various uh, situations and circumstances. He said, far better it is to dare mighty things, to win glorious triumphs, even though checkered by failure, than to rank with those poor spirits who neither enjoy nor suffer much because they live in the gray twilight that knows neither victory nor defeat. That's what a fear of failure will do to us. A fear of failure will box our life into that gray twilight where we, we, we are afraid to move forward because we're afraid of failure. And because we're afraid to move forward, we may avoid what we perceive as a few defeats, but we miss out on so many victories, so many things that God wants to be and do in our lives. And I don't want to miss that, and I don't want you to miss it either. Failure is not optional. It is inevitable. The only question is, how will we respond? We can respond by giving up. And there are a lot of folks who have done that. Oh, they, they still live. They still exist. They, they still kind of pay their bills and, and show up at things, but there's a sense of their living in a gray twilight. And I think there's a gnawing sense when we do that, that I'm not being who God called me to be. I'm not doing what God designed me to do. I can give up. Or I can get up. I can get up, and that's a, that's a great start, right? Sometimes you just have to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and begin again. I can give up or I can get up, but it's not enough. It's not enough just to get up. But we also have to grow up. We have to grow up. We have to, to see that God is going to use this failure in my life to grow me into the man, to grow me into the woman that he designed me to be. Edmund Hillary was a New Zealand mountaineer, explorer, and philanthropist. He made the summit of Mount Everest May 29, 1953, along with his Sherpa mountaineer guide, Tenzing Norgay. And as far as we know, they were the first confirmed climbers to have reached the summit of Mount Everest. And it, the part of the backstory is that Sir Edmund Hillary tried many, many, many times before that successful May trip to reach the summit of Mount Everest. And he failed multiple times. And they, they said that after one more failed attempt, Hillary was there looking up at that mountain, that mountain that seemed to defeat him time after time after time. And, and Hillary took his fist and he shook it defiantly at that mountain. And he said, he said, someday, 
I'm going to defeat you because you're as big as you're going to get, but I'm still growing. Every time Hillary climbed, he failed. Every time he failed, he learned. Every time he learned, he grew and he tried again. And one day, he reached the summit. That's the calling on all of our lives under the hand of God to face our fear of failure, to fail and get back up, to learn and try again, and to continue to allow God to grow us so that we meet any obstacle or any opportunity that he brings into our life. With God with us, we can absolutely face our fear of failure. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Father, thank you that failure doesn't have the last word in any of our lives. Thank you, Father, that no matter what has defined our past to this moment, it does not have to define and shape and control our future. Father, thank you that even though we have failed, you don't call us a failure, but that you have called us to yourself in Jesus Christ. Father, we just invite you to use failure to grow us into the men and the women that you have designed us to be. And we ask this now, depending on the strong name of our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, let's take a few moments and, and make this personal because it doesn't become powerful until it becomes personal. When we talk about a relationship with God made possible through Jesus Christ, it honestly begins by admitting our failure. Owning and admitting my failure to live as God des deserves and desires is foundational to being in a right relationship with God. And so I'm going to ask you today, have you personally admitted your sin, trusted in Christ's provision through the cross, and surrendered your life to His rule and reign. If you have any questions about that, if there's any way that we can help you, if you want to just say, hey, I, I want to like to continue a conversation about that, then please, please, please reach out to us. Reach out to us through social media. Reach out to us uh, through our website, fbcfm.com. Uh, we would be honored to continue this conversation. We would be honored to come alongside you and, and help to direct you and talk to you about our establishing a relationship with God through Jesus Christ that begins by owning and admitting our failures. But I've got some other questions. In what ways has the fear of failure been keeping you from pursuing God's best for your life? Maybe it's just some sitting before God, taking some time during this unusual season and just saying, God, help me to understand is there anywhere in my life where a fear of failure is holding me back? Is there a failure from your past that you're still allowing to define your present and shape your future? 
I can't tell you the number of folks that I have walked alongside through the years that this has been their story, that there's something from their past that is still to this day defining their present and shaping their future. What is God calling you to do with that failure today? How will you prepare to deal with the inevitable failures that'll be a part of your journey? Because all my failures and all yours aren't in the past. As long as we're drawing breath, we're still going to deal with it. How are you going to prepare to deal with it? And then, in addition to God, is there anyone that you need to reach out to in order to own a failure? And seek out forgiveness and reconciliation. For some of us, this may be a huge step to set us free to pursue God's best for our life. To own a failure and to seek Forgiveness, not just from God, but from another, and if possible, reconciliation. And then you've heard me say countless times, we believe that truth comes to us, not just for us, but to go through us to other people. And so I invite you to think, who can I share these truths with? Maybe it's just sharing this message online. Maybe it's just taking a truth and uh, sharing it or unpacking it in a conversation with somebody along the way. God is continuing to work in our lives. He's continuing to work through the body of Christ, even though we're not all coming together physically in one location. I just want to encourage you, as you step into this week, step in the confidence that God is with you, God is for you, God is at work all around you, even in the midst of your failures. God bless you.